So whatever is the strategy, whatever is your vision, whatever you have defined as success for your business or endeavor, you need to communicate it clearly, consistently, and often because people in the team can get behind what they understand. Welcome back to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. We recently hosted our sixth annual Women on the Move Leadership Day, and I'm so happy to continue sharing exclusive content from that event. In today's episode, you'll hear a conversation I moderated between Jen Peepsack and Marianne Lake, co-CEOs of Chase Consumer and Community Banking. We talked about leadership, the pandemic, and what the future looks like for their business. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the stage, Jen and Marianne. It's so nice to have you here. And congratulations to being named on American Bankers Most Powerful Women in Banking. Again, Thank we you. really appreciate everything you do, and we're so happy for you, as well as so many of our colleagues who also had that recognition. So you both have built a lot of teams across the organization. You've been in many functions over the years and have built very high-performing teams. So we'd love to know from you, Marianne, first, what are the traits you look for in leaders and managers? You know, the people who work for you or want to work for you one day, what should they do and demonstrate? By the way, it's great to be here. I think this is our sixth of these events. And so we couldn't be more thrilled than to be here speaking to you all. I think when you look at people leading in any capacity, the first thing I would say is whatever it is that you're running, whether it is a project, whether it's a functional group, whether it's a business or a part of a business, be the CEO of whatever it is you're running. And what do I mean by that? I mean that it starts by, you know, really understanding with an obsessive nature what it takes to succeed for your customer. So putting your customer, whether that's an internal customer or an external customer, at the center of all the decision making that you have. Obsessing about the competition. Oftentimes, the best way you can obsess about the competition is obsessing about the customer. So those two things are very related. But it also means running what you do end to end. And so it's as much about focusing on infrastructure and data and risk and controls as it is on product or revenue. And so whatever you're doing, think end to end. Whatever you're doing, don't define any boundaries to your role. It's a little bit like that Imagine Dragon song, whatever it takes, right? I'm just going to do what it takes to make this group project, business, team successful, and I'll swell into the gaps that others are leaving. Mm-hmm. And those sort of people, I think, generally over time, lend themselves to being tapped on the shoulder to do more things. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing I would say is don't underestimate the need to communicate. And I would say communicate clearly, consistently, and often with the whole team. So whatever is the strategy, whatever is your vision, whatever you have defined as success for your business or endeavor, you need to communicate it clearly, consistently, and often because people in the team can get behind what they understand, right? Context is everything. Maybe not everybody would agree with every decision you make, but once they understand what the goal looks like, you have a much higher probability of succeeding. And one of the things that we saw in spades during 2020 in the pandemic is that we all rallied behind a finite number of critical goals. And it was amazing the speed with which we could move when every single person up, down and sideways in the team knew that mission critical number one was like turning up for our customers. Whether that was opening the branches safely, whether it was PPP, whether it was customer relief, everybody, no one was confused. Everybody ran to that same fire. And it was amazing what we could get done. So I think communication, context is everything. People can do what they understand. Focus on the facts. I'm an ex-CFO. I'm an ex-finance person. I can't shake it. The facts will set you free. 
Jamie has said often, and I agree with him, data, analyze, rinse, repeat. It takes the emotion out of decisions oftentimes if you can show people with clarity the facts, the whole facts, and nothing but the facts. And so I think you are what you measure, and we should be very disciplined about making sure that we're showing data-driven decisions that people can understand. So I think that you know the facts will set you free, and, and that's an important part of it. For me, you know, and we'll, we can talk about it a bit more later, I think being a leader in this environment is also embracing change. And so the ability to just be willing to disrupt yourself and be bold, to be innovative and sort of lean into trends as you see them and know that, you know, every step you take doesn't have to be forward. It can be a zigzag. You can zig, you can zag, you can bob, you can weave, you can iterate. And that's how you get to the right place. And then last but not least, and I think, you know, that they are you know, really critical is to execute with excellence. And I won't swear, but, you know, you'll understand what I mean when I say, you know, you need to know your stuff. You need to get stuff done. You need to set the bar high and you need to lead by example, which is, you know, everything you do has to be centered on wanting to always do the right thing. Right. So if you are to set the bar high and like lead from the front and execute with excellence, then, you know, you're team will follow you in that same fashion. And that's huge when it comes to carrying the culture. You need to sort of lead by example. And then, you know, humanity. I mean, this last 18 to 24 months, I guess 18 and probably the next 18, you know, have shown us the need to lead with a significant amount of humanity and understand that people on your team are dealing with all sorts of things, right? And they're dealing with personal issues and health issues and family issues and, you know, logistical issues and, you know, knowing that you're expecting people to show up, you know, every day and bring their authentic true self to work also means you need to understand that, you know, you have to have high degree of humanity and empathy when you're leading teams. Just that. <laughs> <laughs> we all took notes here. And there's two former CFOs. So I think the data point will be well enforced. Here. One just final thing, because I just think, you know, be a great partner. People want to work with people who are, you know, really great partners and, you know, that's not the same thing as being, like, really nice or, like, you know, easy to work with. But just be a great partner, like, always mission first. So let's talk about one of the changes over the past 18 months, the flexibility piece, the working from home, hybrid models, which we're still piloting and testing. So, Jen, tell us about flexibility. Do you think it has been beneficial for women? Have there been any downsides to that, you know, when you think about some of the power of being together and working together in person? I think there's a difference between what we had to do over the last 18 months versus what we will ultimately do for flexibility in our workforce going forward. So I think it was extraordinary for, I mean, Marianne touched on it. It was extraordinary what we were able to do in a weekend, really, turn our entire workforce uh, into a remote workforce. And the culture that we brought into that moment is, I think, a big, not to mention the amazing technology team that we have, but the culture that we brought into that moment is, I think, what got us through those moments. And so I think the fact that the pandemic had a disproportionate impact on women would tell you that flexibility coming out of it will have a disproportionately positive impact on women, I have to believe. I do think that, and we've talked about it a lot as we as we go through return to the office, we have proven that you can maintain culture 
in a remote environment. We have yet to prove that you can build culture in a remote environment. And so I think having an office-based culture is incredibly important to this company for a very, very good reason. And I think that both women and men benefit from having that opportunity to engage in person and build that culture. So I think the flexibility is going to be great for everyone in whatever form we can make sure that it works for you know our clients, our customers, as well as our employees. We are testing things, as you said, Say, Sam, but we'll have to see, you know, what form that takes. And for different job functions, I think it will look very different. But being an office-based culture is a big part about making sure that you build and maintain culture over time. Because I do think although maintaining culture was easier than building culture, even that will atrophy over time in a completely remote environment. So there's lots of puts and takes, but lots of options for us to think about in terms of the workforce of the future, no doubt. You know, as you were thinking about the relationships you've built over time in person until this moment, what did that mean to you, you know, to be in the office, to be able to develop relationships, working directly with people, they're seeing your work, they're vouching for you. Can you talk about that, the importance of that? It means everything. I mean, you know, obviously to be able to make your work feel more personal is a big part of feeling part of something, belonging, feeling part of something bigger than yourself. And I think that is a huge motivating factor for anyone. And that is extremely difficult when you're just dialing in and hanging up and dialing in and hanging up and trying to run to the bathroom and get something to eat in between. It's very difficult to feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself. And I think in person, you have that opportunity to build that culture. And yes, you also have that opportunity to take a little bit more time to work through an issue or solve a problem or, you know, run next door to Marianne's office and say, what do you think about this? Am I thinking about it the right way? What would you do? You're much less likely to dial someone to ask that same question. So I think it's critically important, but it doesn't mean that we can't have flexibility also, which, you know, is, is a positive coming out of this. I do think one of the things that Jen said right up front about the importance of trust and confidence in the people that you're working with, particularly in like moments of truth when things are challenging, is super critical. And so, you know, the relationships you're able to build in the good times and the informal interactions that you have allow you to lean on those relationships when things are more challenging and, you know, allow you to capitalize on a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because you have been a great partner, because you have been, Mm -hmm. you know, present, you know, for the other people in the team. And it is just, it is different when you click off at the end of the meeting and you're not standing outside the room having that like last three minutes of conversation. Now we want to be inclusive. We want to make sure that people who are working remotely, not just because they're working remotely from home, but because they're in other offices that we have, that they have the same ability to engage. But I do think the investment in making sure that we're building partnerships is super critical. Yeah. And by the way, I have to add, we could probably riff on this for another hour, but I have to add that that treating everyone equally doesn't mean treating them the same. And you have to know the people on your team to know what motivates them and know how to get the best out of them. And you're just not going to do that over Zoom consistently over time. And hopefully managers have found a lot of guidance that we put out across the firm as to what will work and tools to help them and and engaging in conversations. I just want to say thank you to both of you for being here. Too short as always, but we really appreciate all your insights and we can't wait to see what you do going forward. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you so much. It was so great to hear from Jen and Marianne and how they're leading the business together. I loved hearing about Marianne's strategy of bringing a CEO mentality to every job you do and Jen's perspective on creating and sustaining a strong company culture. I hope you enjoyed the last few episodes from our annual Leadership Day. 
And I'm so glad we could bring you into this inspiring conference, which is such an important day for our firm. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC. 